Hi, Maria. Hi, Joanna. Do you want to hear something exciting? <laughs> yes, always. I learned a new term recently. Yeah, what's that? It's greenwashing. Okay, what does it mean? Okay, it means that a company kind of tries to trick consumers into thinking that they're more sustainable than they actually are. Okay, it, that makes sense because it's so trendy to be sustainable these yeah, days. Yeah, so they just they kind of are like, oh my god, we're so green, blah blah blah. Here we are, coming through, saving forests, and yeah. then actually when you look into it, there's nothing green about them. And when I learned about this kind of word or expression, it just sent me into a spiral because now I'm very much like, how how do I know what's what? How do I know what's sustainable anymore? Or whether what I'm buying is is green or sustainable in any way. So I'm I'm very confused at this point. Yeah, especially if they try to trick us to think it. Yeah, like, exactly. If they can just lie. I think it's very difficult to figure out what is actually sustainable. Do you think that you could live for, let's say, just one day without any unsustainable companies at all? I mean, I'd like to I like to think so, you know, but I have no I have no way of knowing because I don't really know where to set the bar for sustainability and, and you know, what is what counts sustainable. So I'm not sure if I'm a sustainable person or not at this point. Yeah, I would be the, the scary thing for me in that experiment would be to find out that I'm actually really unsustainable. Yeah, and that, that my life you're is, doing just, is just this is a nightmare, Maria. You're like just you're a cloud so of far. CO2 just yeah. like walking walking on Earth. Yeah, and I think there's a big possibility for that. But I think we should try it out for this episode. Just an experiment for one day. Yeah, and I think we should investigate this term greenwashing a little bit more. Why do companies do it? What are they trying to get out of it? How do we tell the yeah, difference? Yeah, how can we tell the difference between actual sustainable companies and companies that just pretend to be? And what is greenwashing exactly? And... Most importantly, can we live just one whole day without using any unsustainable companies at all? My name is Johanna Kinnock. My name is Maria Jensel. And this is The Five Podcast, where we try to find out what it actually takes to be the change we want to see in the world. So, first of all, we needed to speak to a greenwashing expert. Andreas Ratje, Professor of uh, Business and Society at Copenhagen Business School. Welcome and thanks for talking to us. My pleasure. Good morning. Good morning. What is greenwashing? Greenwashing is uh, a kind of a gap between what corporations talk about publicly, mostly, and what they do in practice. So it is a, it is a gap between talk and action, you can say. And uh, a lot of people would say that these gaps in talk and action mislead others. They mislead consumers, they mislead, for instance, also NGOs, but they can also mislead uh, government representatives um, because it then becomes not really possible to assess the performance um, of a corporation in a correct way, the sustainability performance, obviously. So companies try and signal that they're more sustainable than they actually are. Exactly. How normal is uh, greenwashing in companies today? This is difficult to judge um, because um, the question is here one of intentionality. Um, and also what kind of scale of greenwashing you assume, you know, when is something greenwashing? Um, for instance, someone would say, well, you know, you promised 
X and you delivered Y. Um, and then, you know, you have a clear gap here um, bit, uh, between X and Y. And, and that's why, of course, you can call it greenwashing. But in, in practice, actually, the, uh, uh, it, it, it looks a little different um, because what you usually face is um, that, that corporations may be claiming, you know, we have 94% of, of uh, carbon reductions, and then you see, you know, how they calculated it, and, and you see they maybe used the method, you know, which uh, um, over-exaggerated, uh, which over-exaggerated that, and if you use a more traditional method, you maybe end up with 80%. Can you give us some examples of some companies that have been greenwashing? I cannot give you precise company examples um and, and and this is of course also for um for legal reasons um and it is mostly also because the intentionality is is difficult to judge so green so you're sorry this is just news to me but is greenwashing like a legal claim is that where the word kind of came from no, it's not a legal claim, but if you publicly claim you know that a certain corporation is greenwashing, you always need very good evidence right and and um and if I claim that a company is greenwashing, I'm making a claim about the intentionality on the side of the corporation, which i'm unless I've done really good research on it which I'm not certain about because I cannot look into the corporation and see, you know, what exactly has been going on. Okay, so it has to be kind of very fact-based because I always thought that, you know, say you have a smoothie and on the front back of the smoothie they made it look really green and really kind of climate-friendly and they've got lots of pictures of forests and bears and whatever and then you find out that this smoothie is actually produced in a really dodgy way. Is that not greenwashing? That could be a part of greenwashing. Um, as indicated, it depends on how we do with the intentionality problem. If it is intended by the by the corporation as such, I mean the example you were just giving, I would um, I would certainly call this greenwashing um, if there is an intentionality attached to it. But it's just interesting that a few years ago, no companies were trying to present themselves as green, and now suddenly all of them are because it's it's trendy and profitable. There's, so there is some kind of intentionality, no? Well, of course, there is an intentionality to present yourself as green. Uh, um, that that is certainly true. Um, but the question is: Is there an intention to betray the customer? You know, is there an intention of somebody who um, produces a smoothie to kind of sit down and say, "Okay, we really do this in a dodgy way, but you know, let's try to deceive the customer and let's try to give it kind of a green look." And how do you define a truly sustainable company? Then does that even exist today? Someone who is just not greenwashing at all and just live up to everything that they say they do. <laughs> kind of the ideal company, right? The angel company. Um, well, I think there are companies who do a very, very good job um, in in the sustainability world, right? Um, there are companies who also report very well, who get these reports verified, so the data is solid and the data can actually be used. So this is um, um, this, this is something very good. But I would say it is difficult, you know, to find a company without any problems. Um, it is difficult to find kind of an angel company who does everything right and who does not have any sort of problems. Even those companies, you know, who have won sustainability and CSR awards, they 
run into trouble. I mean, look at Volkswagen, for instance. Right? For many years, Volkswagen was kind of the poster child of, of um, um, actually a well-run company in Germany. And then came Dieselgate and a lot of things came, came to the fore, which, um, um, which, which people didn't know existed in the, in the first place. So I think probably, no, there is not the perfect 100% sustainable company. But the question is also, you know, whether we should judged by such ideal statements and whether we should not um, adopt a more realistic perspective here um, where we say, of course, I mean, company make mistakes, people make mistakes. This is natural. Um, the question is how they deal with these mistakes. Um, and, and, uh, and, and to me, you know, this is what makes also for companies who perform well in this responsibility and sustainability sphere, companies who admit mistakes and learn from them. I'm always telling my students Nike actually is a good example. Look at Nike in the 90s. I mean, they had this massive sweatshop scandal and there was a lot of talk about this. And, and in the very early days, actually, Nike rejected any responsibility. Um, they said, you know, that's, that's not our responsibility. It's the supplier's responsibility. But then they, their mindset shifted. They started to learn and they to accept the fact that they had to learn a lot in this corporate responsibility space. And nowadays, I would say probably Nike is one of the best run companies when it comes to responsibility and sustainability. Do you have any companies that you would call flat out unsustainable, even though you don't have any that you would call truly sustainable? One thing I'm always discussing with my student is, can a tobacco company be sustainable? You know, can we call such a company actually a sustainable and responsible company? And a lot of my students usually say, no, by the very nature of the product, we cannot, <laughs> you know, because the product itself already is the problem. It's not about how it is produced. Of course, you can sustainably source tobacco and so on, but uh, um, the problem is the product. Mm. So in, in that sense, I think, yes, there are some, some uh, companies which are by definition, at least from my point of view, um, um, not very sustainable and responsible. Do you personally have any companies that you choose not to buy from? Of course, I have my own preferences, but uh, um, I personally don't have a blacklist um, for everyday purchases. Let's put it that way, right? I'm not a smoker, so in that sense, that also falls away. Um, I don't source any weapons, um, so no problems there. Um, <laughs> okay. So... Well, because these are sectors which are, as I just said, which are from the very fact, from the very product they are producing problematic, right? Mm -hmm. And I would always boycott these kind of sectors. Oh, shit. I'm a smoker. It's going to be interesting how I uh, deal and with I our experiments. So <laughs> we have a very problematic thing going on here. No, me and Joanna, we would really like to do an experiment. Uh, we want to avoid using anything from unsustainable companies for just one day. Uh, everything from what we are wearing to what we eat, how we move around, what electronics, electronic devices we use, etc. Do you think this is possible at all? For a day, maybe it is. <laughs> if, you, if you are really, really strict about yourself, right? And if you can live with a lot of restrictions, um, probably you can. I think the problem, the practical problem you will run into is what we started our conversation with. And this is where do you make, where do you draw the line? You know, whether a company is sustainable or unsustainable. 
in most cases, you will end up in gray areas. In most cases, you know, it is not easy to judge. Um, and and we really need your help on this because we don't know how we should do this practically. Uh, like we we cannot sit and read uh, all reports for every company uh, for what we're wearing, what we're eating, uh, where we are walking, what devices we're using. So like, do you have any suggestions on how we could do this experiment? I think um, sometimes you know students ask ask me the same question. I think. The first good strategy is usually to start with common sense, um, because I think quite a lot of things are, for instance, when it comes to plastic bags and so on, are simply common sense. Where to say I reject, I simply reject that, right? I, I I I don't I don't use it. Yeah. If you if you then want information on the companies, um, you talk a lot about product based information because. Um, Quite a lot of the products we interact with on a day-to-day life, um, they belong to conglomerates, more or less, right? Um, I'm I'm always telling my students there is this kind of illusion of choice when you go into the supermarket because um, it is actually just a handful of companies who who, um, who uh, promote the major products um, when you when you walk into the supermarket, right? It's the Nestle's and and. Uh, uh in 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 america also Kraft Heinz Mondelez and so on i mean these are the companies that offer quite a lot of different types of of products so what you need to look at is less the company it's more how the product performs and here labels can help you um so you look at labels um is it certified is it not certified um what does it have to say on the labels <laughs> <laughs> Well, the labels provide you with a good indication. Um, research has shown um, we need to be careful to trust them 100%. But it is usually better than nothing. Um, so on average, you can say that companies who have these labels perform better than companies that do not have it at all. So in other words, you do not harm anyone. So we're just going to try and choose the least bad. <laughs> yes, I mean, this this is what what it comes down to um, um, at, at the end of the day. But I'm Okay, I'm seeing a kind of paradox here because on, on one hand, consumers are meant to lead the charge and kind of be the change that they want to see in the world and everything. And on the other hand, you're telling us that we there's no rule of thumb for knowing whether something is sustainable or not. There is no definite rule of thumb. So in in that sense, I agree. We demand a lot from consumers. Um, and also, as I said in the beginning, also um, a good deal of consumers is reacting to sustainability market signals. Um, but these market signals remain imperfect um, and They are not um, 100% reliable. You know, we cannot just easily figure out whether a product is sustainable or unsustainable simply based on a certification or a label. Well, Andreas Ratsche, Professor of Business and Society of at Copenhagen Business School, thank you so much for doing this interview with us. We will try to do this experiment uh, with uh, common sense, using no plastic and looking for a certification on the labels. Well, good luck with it. <laughs> Let me know how it goes and um, all the best to you. Okay, so we got our tips from our greenwashing expert. We should use our common sense, avoid plastic, and look for certified labels. Yeah, no smoking. <laughs> no smoking for you, Joanna. That's easy for me. I'm pregnant. I'm not smoking either ways. But uh, are you ready to do this experiment uh, all day tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Avoid unsustainable companies in our clothes, in our food, transportation and electronics. Yeah, let's do it. 
we are living in a sustainable world and i am a sustainable girl 8.30 and I'm on my way to work. I just woke up and <laughs> I'm gonna get dressed. Transport-wise, we are biking. It's already gonna be challenging. Underwear is from Organic Basics. If they're greenwashing, I for sure wouldn't know. Selection night tonight and I really fancy a cigarette. I'm very confused about H&M. I've seen campaigns about how green they are, how sustainable they are, but maybe that's greenwashing because it's also just very cheap. Okay, so I'm out shopping for groceries. Right now I'm back to underwear. So I thought, what's sustainable? And headed straight for the vegan counter. Ooh, chick-free, pea-based. That looks a bit like chicken, but it's not. I can for sure put on shoes, I think, because my shoes are from Nike and uh, that's one of the brands that the expert said was okay. Ooh, loose red peppers from Spain. I think that's fine. Spain isn't too far away. Avocados. Seems pretty healthy on the outside, but are they actually sustainable? I'm going to Google it now. <clears throat> Why our love for avocados is not sustainable is the first thing that comes up. Okay, no avocados for dinner, I guess. I'm recording all of this with my mobile phone. Is Apple sustainable? Maybe I just need to stop my recording now because I can't use this phone for my job. Um, I'm going to do that now. Uh, okay, so that was a roller coaster of a montage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as you can hear, this was not an easy day for me. How how did you feel about it? I felt th it, the day just got longer and longer with uh, these dilemmas all day uh, about uh, clothes and food and electronics and everything. It it just it made me reflect so much about all these different things that I don't do on a normal basis. Yeah, and it wasn't that there was anything that I just. Uh, couldn't give up for a day but it was the confusion about what was up and down and what was actually sustainable that was the most that took the most toil yeah that was definitely the hardest thing figuring out what is actually sustainable so i actually found a company that tries to make it easier for consumers to navigate sustainability at least within the fashion industry Gordon Ranoff is the founder of the ethical fashion app Good On You that tries to help consumers navigate the murky waters of sustainability welcome gordon thanks for coming on the podcast Hi, Joanna Maria. How are you? We're good. <laughs> good How <thanks>. are you? <laughs> good evening to you. Good morning to us. Yeah. So can you tell us briefly what is Good On You? Um, good On You is a way to help consumers easily find which fashion brands align with their values, which ones are doing well on environmental issues, labour rights issues, animal issues and so on. And so you can use Good On You to check how a brand rates, maybe a mainstream brand, 
And if you don't like how it rates, then you can find alternative, more sustainable brands that might also make the kind of clothes that you're looking for. So I think it's so difficult to figure out when you just Google online a brand name um, to see like like is this company sustainable? And there are so many opinions on on what is sustainability and so on and so forth. How do you rate these companies? Yeah, I think I think that's a really important question, and, and perhaps it's the the most important thing that we're solving. We're trying to say. It's not our opinion about what's sustainable, but we're trying to aggregate the opinions of or the the research and the scientific um, investigation of what are the most important issues that are undertaken by a wide range of organisations, whether they're academic organisations or civil society organisations lobbying for workers or for the environment or climate change, uh, and even industry bodies which uh, have researched which are the most material issues. So, so we do look at for larger brands, we look up at 500 different. Um, just over 500 different criteria. And so then we just bring that down to a really simple score for consumers to use. I should say the scores out of five. So we rate brands from great, good, it's a start, not good enough, and then we avoid for brands that really aren't transparent at all. Yeah, I find it I find it funny how all of those, what did you say, 500 different criteria kind of get narrowed down to good enough or not good enough or well, trying to be good or was it important to you to to kind of land on that simplicity or? Oh, I, I think definitely. I mean, what we know that more than 50% of shoppers would like to buy products and um, and from brands that line up with their values. It needs to be simple because you, you, you're not going to spend hours researching it. So the vast majority of consumers are not going to do that. They need it to be really easy. And so that's, I think, the important things that we're doing are making sure that the issues we're looking at are the ones that the experts say are the right issues to look at and then bringing it down to a simple guide to consumers because they're making trade-offs. When you go shopping, you're making trade-offs between price, between style, between um, you know your, your quality of the products as well as the ethical and sustainability issues that you're looking at. And so if it's going to be too complicated, people just aren't going to use it. Really, we're really key element of what we're doing is that is the observation or the claim that we as shoppers have a right to know our brands and products are impacting on the things we care about. So just as we need to know what the price is, just as we need to know the quality, just as we have a right to know where things come from, we have a right to know how this product or this brand is impacting on the environment, how they're impacting on workers, animals and so on. Is there a lot of greenwashing in the fashion world? Do you see that there's a big problem here, a lack of uh, transparency? I think there's a few things going on. So first of all, what do we mean by greenwashing? When a brand is more or less deliberately trying to distract you from their poor environmental or social performance. And and how do they do that? Um, of course, they could straight out lie, but that's probably not the most common thing. The most common thing would be to, to draw your attention like a magician to one thing that they're doing well, so you not don't look at the other 499 things they're not doing well. So or whatever number it might be. So so when you, for example, um, put out a conscious collection which makes up, you know, half a percent of your total sale. That's the H&M one. Well, they wouldn't be the only one. I don't want to pick on H&M necessarily. <laughs> okay. um, but but, but um, that would be one way to do it. And another way, I mean, and this is um, some smaller brands do this, spend all your time just talking in general platitudes, saying we care about workers and the environment and Mother Earth is our God and blah, 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 but not actually saying concretely and specifically what you are doing 
to turn those cares into actual action on the ground. So, so I'm very suspicious of people who start with things like, um, you know, all our fabrics are natural. Well, you know, some people say there is no such thing as a natural fabric because if you think about cotton, think about those nice, fluffy, white, soft balls of cotton that you see in pictures or see in the fields if you've been into a cotton field. And then think about your quite shiny and stiff, special luxury cotton shirt. There's a lot of stuff that happened between that cotton ball and that shirt, which involves a lot of chemicals. So they kind of benefit from the fact that most consumers are like a little bit clueless about all this stuff. Yeah, well, I think consumers are pretty smart, and you think, but that, that consumers want to believe, and so if you can kind of go, they're, they're, they're you know, mostly positive people, and they, they want to believe that this brand, look, imagine you've seen this dress, right? You love it, you love it. You just love that dress, and you're thinking, I wonder if they're sustainable. So you're already biased towards buying it. So they can say, oh, it's all natural, and we love the workers, and blah, blah, blah. You might go, okay, this sounds fine. Um, <laughs> but actually, you should be looking for, what are the concrete things they're saying? What, what you know, what, cotton, cotton. Conventional cotton is a polluting uh, industry and you need to be doing better than conventional cotton. You've got to be, well, ideally, it's um, organic cotton or it's an alternative fabric which has much lower impact on the world. What do you think the motivation is for the companies to do the greenwashing? There's definitely a commercial advantage in being a sustainable brand that consumers trust. So greenwashing is motivated by the fact that people don't want to lose sales to people who are nervous about buying from unethical brands or they want to gain sales from people who are motivated to, all things being equal, choose a more sustainable brand over a less sustainable brand so long as they're making the kind of clothes they want to wear. So how do you hope people kind of use good on you? Do you hope that they're standing in front of that dress and they whack it out and look it up and say, nope, not going to buy this or yes, definitely going to buy this? Yeah, well, obviously, we hope that people will, um, you know, check their favourite brands on Good On You and learn which ones are doing okay and which ones are doing not so okay. I can feel in my body that I'm a little scared of actually uh, searching for my favourite brands <laughs> because what what do I do if you just say like they're horrible? You should just <laughs> they're just never, not good enough. No. <laughs> um. So what the first thing I want to say is that the perfect is the enemy of the good. Sometimes you cannot avoid buying from a less sustainable brand, but there are things you can do, like keep that product longer, make sure you dispose of it well, mm. um, that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, t- aspiring to become, you know, go from fast fashion aficionado on day one to being a perfect consumer on day two is not, or even day 200 or even day 2000 is not going to happen because we live in a complex world and there are trade-offs in every single decision you make. But understanding more about what's going on and what your choices are is always a good thing. And do you think that the best way to kind of combat greenwashing is to take it into our own hands and use apps like Good On You? Doesn't it still end up being a lot of pressure on the individual to kind of save the planet? So I think where you're going is that Sometimes we need to act collectively to save the planet to address big problems, um, you know, and and sometimes governments are working to do it and sometimes companies are working to do that as well. I don't think, though, it's right to say that we as consumers have no power to do anything. And I think it is important that if consumers are not caring about being more sustainable, not caring about how they're choices are impacting on the world, then that reduces the pressure on companies and governments to do things. So, 
you know, when we, you know, it, it, I guess this is a conversation about should we act as a citizen or should we act as a consumer? And my answer is, well, why don't you act as both? Mm. Why can't we say vote for politicians who are going to um, do the right thing, work for companies that are doing the right thing and shop in a way which is going to influence companies to do the right thing? And there's absolutely no reason why you can't do all three and that all three are more powerful when you do all of them and not just one of them. You think maybe transparency and information is what's going to going to be the real push. Yeah, and I think if there's a simple message for uh, us as shoppers, it's demand transparency, demand accurate information from the companies we shop. So uh, one one response to your favourite brand not being, uh, not scoring as highly as you like is to tell it you're not happy um, maybe even justify purchasing from them one last time on the basis that you're going to send them a a communication in one way or another. Um, well, so send them an angry email. Send them an well. It's better <laughs> send them an angry Facebook post because then other people can see it as well. Um, yeah, why not? Why not? I mean, you, even in the Good on You app, there's a function where you can send an email to a company for the companies we have addresses for. But I would be saying even more. Um, think about if, you, if it's your style. Um, doing it as a tweet or a Facebook post or Instagram post or question. You don't have to be rude. You can be polite and say, hey, I'm really interested in what you're doing about this issue, this issue, this issue. Can you please tell me? And Mm. that tells them that people care. So we started this episode with asking the questions, what is greenwashing and how do we see the difference between actual sustainable companies and the ones who just pretend to be? So Joanna, do you think we got the answers for that? I mean, I think we got the answer that it's really, really complicated and that most companies aren't really doing enough to be transparent and that they're maybe not getting the pressure that they need in order to do that, maybe both from the consumer and maybe from other you know, governments and other other places. But I think we also got the answer that, you know, it's better to care than not to care. And that even if you can't be absolutely perfect, just staying aware of these issues and trying to get companies that you buy it from to be sustainable and even giving them a little push to be more transparent is better than nothing. (laughs) Yeah, that's a start. Yeah, exactly. You've been listening to The Five Podcast, where we seek out inspirational changemakers and try dipping our toes into some of their ideas. The podcast is brought to you by Five Media, a new global media platform that aims to be a catalyst for progressive action. Go to fivemedia.com for more Five content and subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode. New episodes out every second Friday. Bye. Bye. Bye.